So I thought with this homily, um, I would begin to tell you how I got into doing um, the work that I'm doing with regards to lies, truth, and healing. And what I've come to realize is that it really has been the Holy Spirit who has been prepping me um, for this for quite, well, for all my life, really. And um, I want to share a quick story with you before I get into why, I, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I mentioned to you last night that I work with high schoolers a lot, and my life is revolved around um, them and their lives. And I remember years ago that there was a, there was a student who, um, he was the quarterback of the football team. He was very athletic um, and very uh, talented with his athletic abilities. And we always used to joke that girls wanted to date him and guys wanted to be him. Um, and whenever he walked into a room, he kind of took command of that room, um, not by being overbearing or anything, just by being himself. And I remember talking with him one time, and I asked permission to share this story, and he said that was fine. Um, but I remember talking to him one time, and so I have an office at school. It's the my official title is director of campus ministry, and um, it's a very big department. Department of One, um, so I direct myself. Um, but luckily, department meetings go pretty easily. But so I remember he came into my office and he was sitting there and um, he came on a pretty regular basis. And I asked him one time, I just said, you know, like, do you need something from me? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, you come in here on a pretty regular basis. Um, are you, like, waiting to, like, are you just getting comfortable until you start to have the conversation that you want to have? Or, you know, like, can I help you in one way or something? And he looked at me and he goes, do you not think that you already have? And I said, no, I don't think that I already have. And he said, there's a reason I like coming in here. And he said, it's because in here... Um, I feel welcomed. And he goes, this is one spot where I know I am always welcomed. And that blew me away. Because I just thought, dude, you can be welcomed wherever you want to go. I mean, girls want to date you and guys want to be you. Like, what are you talking about? And it kind of got me to start thinking more and more about the fact that we never know what's going on inside someone. You know, we never know um, how they're feeling and what they're feeling. So fast forward three years, four years, and I, this last Christmas, we were over, a family had all the priests in the area over for their house um, for a prime rib dinner. And so we're standing there, and I was talking with one of their daughters, and she mentioned to me just out of the blue, she goes, hey, have you ever listened to this podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves? And I said, no. And she goes, have you heard of it? And I said, no. And she goes, I think it might really help you, like, with what you do with high schoolers. And I was like, okay. And I didn't think anything of it. Like, I didn't. Now, the fact that it was a podcast helped me to actually start listening to it. If it had been a book, 
if she'd said, hey, I think you should read this book, I would have been like, okay. And that would have been the end because I'm not one to sit down and read a book. And so I never would have touched it. But in starting to listening to the podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves, um, I started listening to it on my own. And then I was taking a little trip. We were going to Denver for a wedding for some people that we knew. And so there was myself and two other priests. And we were in one of their um, CRVs. And they like to have philosophical conversations. They like to talk about philosophy. And I don't. Like, I got through St. Greg's, and that was pretty much the end of my philosophy. Um, Never had to study it again, and that was perfectly okay with me. And so I knew they were going to have these conversations, and they sometimes will have the conversations, and then when I walk in, they'll stop. And I didn't want them to do that. You know, I wanted, like, we're going to have five hours in the vehicle together if they want to have talk philosophy, you know, talk philosophy. And so I brought my earbuds. And so I was driving at the time, and they started to have one of their philosophical conversations. And they were discussing, like, the most minute point that didn't matter at all to anyone And so I popped in my earbuds and they're like, oh, we can stop. And I go, no, 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 no. Like you guys have your philosophical conversation. It's totally fine. I'm just going to pop in my earbuds and we're good, you know? And so we were driving or I was driving and they were talking about something that didn't matter to anybody. And, um, they tapped me on the shoulder and they're, and I pulled my earbud out and they're like, we're done. And I go, okay, well, hold on. Like, I'm not, I'm not done. And I popped my earbud back in and I finished listening to that, whatever, that particular episode of the podcast that I was listening to. And I finished and they're like, what were you doing? And I said, I was listening to a podcast. And they're like, oh, we thought you were just listening to music. And I go, no, I was like listening to a podcast. And so they're like, tell me about the podcast. Like, tell us about the podcast. And so I was trying to describe it. And finally, they decided that they should just listen to one of the episodes. One of the episodes, they're usually around 30 minutes. And um, so it between the three hours that we had left in the drive, we listened to two episodes. Because we had to keep pausing it to talk about the thing that the guy just said. And I was like, just listen to it and then we can talk about it. But... This whole, like, pausing, like, mid-sentence to talk about whatever the guy just, like, stop. Um, And so finally, like, we did that for one episode. And then finally, the second one, I was like, listen, we just need to listen to it and then talk about it. And they're like, yeah, but, like, he says things that we need to remember. And I'm like, if they're that important to you, you will. Like, you'll remember to mention it as soon as he's done. But we can't, like, the stop and start business not working for me. And I'm the one that introduced you, so stop. So we listened to that podcast, that that second episode, and we talked about it for a good 45 minutes. And it was then that it hit me, like I was enjoying them, but it was then that it hit me that, hey, there's really something to this, like what this guy is saying. And so I started listening more intently to them. Because before it was listening to him and like, oh, that's good. You know, like, 
this guy's sound and what he's saying. Like that's good. That's good philosophy or good theology or good whatever you want to call it. And but then I began to listen to them more intently. And then it was as I was listening, there was a tug on my heart, a tug that I've never experienced before. And I thought to myself, oh, like what he's saying is really good and this is stuff that I can use. And I can use with the students that I, that I meet with. And then it was, um, no, I want you to use it for yourself first. Like you yourself need to apply what I'm saying, like the Holy Spirit saying to this guy, to me. And so then it was, okay, so I need to figure out, it wasn't hard for me to figure out my lie, because it was a lie that I've believed for 20-some years of my life. I'm 36. So it was, it was um, 20-some years of my life that I believed the lie. And the lie to me was, you're not smart enough to do this. It almost, that lie almost kept me from entering seminary. And while in seminary, it almost kept me, uh, or almost caused me to leave seminary. Because in my head, it was, you're not smart enough to do this. You're not smart enough to, if, if Father Coulter had reached out to me before I had done this and said, will you do a retreat? My response to him would have been an absolute no. Like, no, I will not. Like, I have nothing to say to people on a retreat. Like, not a chance. Not going to happen. Um, but it was, it was that moment of knowing the lie of you're not smart enough to do this. And then to be able to say, I need to go backwards to figure out where did this lie, what event did this lie come out of? And so I'm going to tell you one event in hopes that it helps you if you, if you haven't understood the thing about walking backwards to figure out where it came from. I'm a very, um, God has given me a great imagination. Um, I am also a Ford fan. Like, Fords are the best. If you don't drive a Ford, that's okay. There's still time for you. And so I, um, in my prayer, it was the first time I've ever done this, but in my prayer um, doing this, it was Jesus and I in an F-150. And sometimes Jesus was driving, and sometimes I was driving. But it was Jesus and I sitting in this F-150 going, okay, I know the lie, Jesus, but I need to know where it came out of. And so we would drive back. And we drove back to this one particular time. And um, I remember it like it just happened. I was in eighth grade, and my dad was coming to pick me up from school. And um, it, was, it was a Friday, and it was a warm like April day. And so it was Friday, which was really good for me because that meant the weekend was ahead. And that meant there was no, um, school for two days. And I remember standing there and I remember my dad, one of the things that we did growing up was hunting. We did a lot of hunting and fishing. And so I love the outdoors, um, which is also why you need a Ford. But anyway, um, so the vehicle that we used to go hunting, my dad had driven that to pick us up. And 
I remember sitting there on the sidewalk listening, talking to friends and listening as my dad was coming because the vehicle we drove was an old Plymouth Trailblazer and the color was rust um, because it was all rusted and the muffler had fallen off and so you could hear it coming from blocks away and then we'd always hope, me and my brothers would always hope that as soon as my dad pulled up, it'd backfire, you know, Um, because that was really cool. My sister didn't think it was cool at all. But anyway, and so I I can remember sitting there on the sidewalk talking to friends, and I can remember hearing that sound. And that sound of that vehicle coming was a joyous sound to me, because, again, it was Friday, I'm getting picked up from school, and um, that sound was reminded me of hunting, and so it was a sound of freedom to me. And so I can remember that sound, and I remember standing there talking to um, some classmates and some friends, and I remember my dad pulling up, and at that time, um, there was a female classmate that walked by and said, have a good weekend, and I said, you too, as I was getting in the vehicle. And then my dad looked at me and said, you know, a girl like that, a girl that's beautiful, will never date a guy that doesn't get good grades. And I remember he said that. And I remember immediately, like, I didn't give any thought because I was like, I don't want to date her. I'm in eighth grade. Like, girls are weirdos. You know, I was still at that stage. And so um, the weekend went on just as normal. And then Sunday night rolls around. And then you have the homework that you didn't have on Friday when you got out of school. Um, And so Sunday evening, sitting down doing the homework, they appeared all of a sudden. And um, I remember doing the homework, and I remember all of a sudden thinking about that comment that my dad had made, that a girl that beautiful will never date a guy that doesn't get good grades. And I remember thinking, like, why would my dad say that? Like, I didn't understand, like, what was the rationale behind why he was saying that? And at this point, if I want to make excuses for him, I could easily say, well, he's trying to motivate me. You know, he's trying to motivate me to do better grades. But that's an excuse, and that doesn't work. Um, now, I will say, I, I mentioned that we're not condemning the people that hurt us. Like, I'm not in any way condemning my dad. I love my dad, and I know my dad loves me. Like, I, like we're solid. Um, but to know that he made that comment, and I remember thinking um, as I went to bed that night of like, well, there's got to be like some girl out there, you know? Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to date that girl. Like I'm going to prove my dad wrong. And so Monday, um, her and I started dating cause you know, I did the middle school thing of like, have a friend ask one of her friends if she likes you. And then, you know, that whole little game. Um, so we started dating. Uh, it didn't last. I'm a priest. Um, but it also didn't last because it was based on, me proving my dad wrong. But in my head, that's what I needed to do, was prove my dad wrong, to say, no, you're wrong about this. And then I remember having that time of prayer and being in the pickup, and this time Jesus was in the driver's seat. And I said to Jesus, I said, all right, I know the lie, and I know where it came from. Let's move. And I remember Jesus sitting there going, just shaking his head back and forth. And I remember thinking, like, Lord, what else is there? Like, what else do you want me to think about? Like, what else 
you know, is there a need for? And then I remembered a second time of sitting in the living room. My older sister was in the kitchen filling out college application scholarship stuff. And I remember my dad made a comment of make sure that you put that your three younger siblings don't get the grades that you get. And so there'll be a heavier financial burden for college. And I remember sitting there thinking, remembering that, and then thinking again, like, there's that, there's that, that lie of you're not smart enough. Like, you can't do this. Whatever it is, you can't do it because you're not smart enough. And I remember sitting back in the pickup with Jesus going, okay, now, Lord, we can go forward. And I remember Jesus just going and saying to me, it's not time yet. And I was sitting there and I was like, Lord, what else is there to this? Like, what else, you know, this, this stage, like, what else is there? And I realized that in that moment, I needed to pray and forgive my dad. My dad's still living, but I didn't call him and be like, hey, dad, I just wanted to let you know I forgive you for those comments that you made. My dad would be like, what are you talking about? You know, like he wouldn't, he's not going to remember that. And so I remember thinking, okay, I need to, I need to have forgiveness. You know, forgiveness has to happen here. And so I remember working with God the Father on being able to say, my mercy and my forgiveness is not sufficient. And so I have to come to you as the author of mercy and forgiveness, and I need your help. I need your help so that I can forgive my dad appropriately. And so through the next, and I'm telling you all this very quickly, this took several months, like just so you know, like it took several months. Like I didn't like have one afternoon of all of this hitting me and be like, good to go, you know, like this took several months. But being able to, through those several months, to be able to be able to say, okay, like I can know forgiveness, you know, I can know um, mercy, I can know love, and I can know uh, forgiveness for my dad. What happens next? You'll have to wait, because that's the end of where we are. And so as we've been talking about being able to identify the law, the lie, um, is being able, like, I knew the lie for me, because, like I said, it almost... I remember in seminary one time I was, um, I'd put all this energy into studying for this test and I got the test back and I didn't do well on it. And so I was throwing myself a really nice pity party, you know, there was cake, balloons, all this really nice stuff. And I remember one of my friends walked in and, um, he asked me a question and I answered it and he goes, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with you? And I said, I just, like, I made this big mistake. I invited him into my pity party. That's That was my mistake. So I explained to him, I said, I just, you know, I spent all this time and energy studying for this test, and I got it back, and it says I'm not smart. And um, I said, this is ridiculous. Like, if I spent this much time and energy into building a fence, I would have a really nice fence. And instead, I have this this test score that says, you can't do this. Like, you're not smart enough to do this. 
And I remember my friend looked at me and he goes, you're an idiot. And I go, yes, thank you. Like, I know, like, believe me, I figured that one out on my own. And he goes, no, you're an idiot for thinking that this test says you're stupid. He said, all this test says is you don't know this information. And he goes, I want you to think if you're called to the priesthood, do you ever think you're going to get called to someone who is dying? And before you anoint them, they're going to ask you what grade you got on this test back at your first year of theology. And he goes, no one's going to ask you that. He goes, so stop letting your put all your weight on that one test. And then I remember saying to him, it's not that test, it's a series of tests. And he goes, do you know what they call priests who get ordained? And I go, Father. And he goes, yeah, Father. They don't say, oh, your test scores are low, so we're going to call you almost Father or Father wannabe, you know. They call you Father. And he goes, you're being a spiritual father to the spiritual children that God puts in front of you. You're going to do just fine. And that gave some comfort, but I still remember thinking, like, I shouldn't have invited him to my pity party because he ruined everything. Um, But also still that sting of, what if you really aren't smart enough to do this? Um, That was still there. So... Again, just being able to identify the lie in your life that the devil is whispering to you and to be able to trace it backwards to find if there's an event or a series of events that that lie comes out of. And then this afternoon, we'll talk about what happens when truth enters in and we stop believing the false narrative. Because the false narrative, um, the false narrative, excuse me, um, not only hurt me, for the 20-some years that I believed it, but it also had an effect on the people around me and the people that God put in my life. And so just being able to be mindful of when I believe that false narrative, it hurts me, but it also hurts the people around me, which is why this work is necessary, which is why going backwards is necessary, which is why even if it's fearful um, that we put that fear on Jesus and you get in the F-150 And you either let him drive or you drive with his guidance to be able to figure out where has this come from. And then this afternoon, like I said, we'll see what happens when truth enters in.